0: Hi, welcome to The Fix, the podcast that's all about Photoshop, Lightroom, and post-processing. I'm your host, Jan Kabili. In this episode, my special guest is Lori Rubin, a fantastic wildlife photographer. Lori's going to take us behind the scenes to share with us some of her best tips for photographing animals, whether you're on safari or right in your hometown. And then she's going to show us how she processes some of those photos using MacFun software Tonality Pro. So let's talk to Lori Rubin about photographing and processing photographs of animals. Hi,
1: Lori. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Terrific. It's so great to see you here. I really miss you. I miss you, too. I know. I just we need to find time to just spend like a vacation time together and go shooting somewhere, take our dogs for walks or something. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, it's a date. Well, you know, it's really I know it's hard for you because you're working all the time. You work at MacFun Software. Did I say it right? You did. You did. Yes, I do work there. And I'm also on the Arcanum, Trey Reckless Arcanum. So I keep pretty busy with uh, that and other things. I fly copters and the, you know, the DGI phantom quadcopters. Yes, you do. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So I I keep myself busy, but it's all photography. So I'm all photography all the time. Do you ever think (laughs) how lucky we are that can't even believe these are jobs, right? Oh, I pinch myself. Yes, absolutely. I love it.
0: I know, it's really amazing. So one of the things you're so well known for is your wildlife photography. And I know that there are lots of people who love animals and would love to be able to take such great photos like the ones that you take of animals. But, you know, they think, oh, well, there aren't any animals around me, maybe my dog or my cat, and that's it. And I just don't have the means or the time maybe to go to Africa or to Provence to see the wild horses as you're going to do, Lori. You can tell us about that. Yeah. so, so what can those people do if they really are interested in finding animals to take photos of, and then finding out like what's the best way to take those
1: photos once they have a subject? Yeah, that's a. Actually, I was in that same boat. So for many years, uh, I I planned to go to Africa someday. That was my big, you know, bucket list. That in Alaska, and so what I did was in the meantime, it took me seven years before I actually got to Africa. So I'm really lucky. I live here in San Diego. We have the San Diego Safari Park and San Diego Zoo. And uh, they're about 20 minutes away from me. So on the weekends in the morning, instead of sleeping in, I'd wake up early, grab my camera and go out and photograph these beautiful animals. And, you know, you say, okay, they're at the zoos. But you know what? Some of these zoos are quite expansive. They have, um, you know. For instance, the safari park, the animals run free pretty much in these big expanses. Um, The lions have this great enclosure where you can actually, you know, spend a lot of time with them. And one of the things that I learned was you get to learn about animal behavior by spending time with them. And you capture these wonderful moments. And it's just it's wonderful. I can't explain it. I think other um, wildlife or animal lovers will appreciate it, but just being around them and walking and, and taking these gorgeous pictures and then coming home and then post-processing them to how you want to visually see them afterwards is just it's a joy from beginning to end. The whole process is wonderful. Oh, I so. bet that it is. You yeah. know, I, I I know about those safari parks, and they really are great.
0: I was wondering how you get close enough to these animals in the safari parks to take great photos, because are they, they are running free, as you say.
1: Yeah, a lot of them are running free, or, you know, they're pretty close. But, um, the, okay, I'll tell you the setup that I have. The okay. lens I consistently bring. Is the 70 to 200 with a 1.4 teleconverter, so it gives me about oh, almost 300 millimeters, about 2 240 300. Um, this weekend, uh, Tamron was kind enough to let um, a bunch of us borrow these 150 to 600 millimeter lenses. Wow, so those are pretty pretty long, like the big. <laughs> yeah, it's a kind of the big big guns, you know. Okay. <laughs> but. Uh, if you have a camera where you can crop in, I have got the uh, D800E Nikon, for instance, it's 36 megapixels, so I can crop in a bit. Mm. Uh, that also helps. But uh, for the zoos, for the most part, you're not too far away. And if you are, I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting that wide angle perspective and telling the story of where they're at um, and then kind of closing in with some of your longer lenses. But that's consistently the one that I use. And I recommend 70 to 200. So that's a very good tip. And But you said you were shooting normally with a Canon camera nikon actually oh
0: nikon yeah yep, yep. I cool.
1: i'm a nikon girl
0: yeah <laughs> i used to be but now now i'm a mirrorless girl
1: oh okay so you've completely switched over <laughs> i have
0: you know i'm just such yeah. a wuss i can't carry that big camera and all the lenses around anymore i can but i don't want to let's put it yeah. that way yeah that's how i get my exercise so it is exercise, exercise.
1: yeah
0: okay so you've got your setup mm-hmm. and you've got a great place to go shoot and not all of us have safari parks where else could people shoot and find great animals?
1: You know, at your local pond or parks with lakes with ducks, for instance, and birds, um, you can sit and just watch them fly in towards you. It's a great practice, by the way, um, shooting flying birds. So that's a great place. Um, Going to uh, dog agility courses. Those are fun. You know, the dogs that zigzag or they do jumping into the pools of, you know, the bumpers, they they jump into pools. And uh, it's just if you like action, there's there's ways to get it. But um, yeah, spending time at your local park, going up to the mountains, sometimes you can catch deer, whatever. uh, But there is wildlife all around us. And you know, there's macro too. So if you look at bugs as wildlife, little animals, that's also a lot of fun too. Butterflies, ladybugs, things like that. So it's all around us.
0: Oh, great idea, you've really inspired me. You've given me so so many (laughs) ideas. Um, Now, of course, animals are moving. They're not just sitting there posing beautifully. And yes, we know that you can vary your shutter speed, but there's got to be something a little more uh, tip-like that you can tell us about that, because I've tried it where I've set my shutter speed really
1: fast. I've tried panning. I still get crummy pictures. What? What can I do? Well, you know, I learned this from Moose Peterson uh, years ago, and I shoot aperture priority. And the reason for that is I really like to get that shallow depth of field. I'm all about getting the subject in focus and getting that nice bouquet in the background. So I'll shoot aperture priority, let my camera do its thing. And that way, when I'm panning in between like darks and lights, because animals, like you say, don't stay in the same place necessarily. You can pan with them. And I'm really just focusing on the moment and not so much on the technical aspects and worrying about, oh, I got to change this or that. So I'm just in the moment and letting my camera do a lot of the work. Um, maybe pushing up the ISO if I need to, if it's dark or if they're flying, I'll push up the ISO a bit. But for the most part, I get really nice sharp images.
0: Do you prefer when animals are moving to have them moving toward you or
1: to have them going, what is
0: that? Perpendicular
1: to you? It depends. It depends what the species is. So for instance, in Africa, uh, if you have a herd of elephants, it's great if you can get them coming towards you. So you position that Jeep just right towards the path of the incoming elephants really exciting too by the way (laughs) yeah (laughs) birds you know i like to have perpendicular they're flying like a group of pelicans flying past you it's kind of neat or coming towards you so it really depends on the type of animal we're talking about so but um yeah getting different perspectives is also a nice thing to do now i do it looks to me like you might do some time
0: in the zoo because you have such great photos of babies with their moms um,
1: different kinds of monkeys gorillas i guess they are is that true and do you shoot in the zoo I do. Um, I Because I can't get out to Africa or, you know, Alaska or these places all the time. I, I plan ahead of time. Luckily, I've been able to get to a few. I still, on the weekends, I'm out at the zoos. And not so much, you know, zoos have um, pretty strict copyright issues. You can't sell them oh. unless you get permission from them. So I'm very careful about that. I've gotten permission from a couple zoos to show for educational-type purposes, and that's great. Um, but I do that for practicing for myself. And it's you know it's kind of twofold. It's one I'm learning my craft, and I like to actually challenge myself to shoot midday. These are what I call um, educational opportunities because I teach webinars and I show people how to fix their images, and so I do that as well. So any opportunity I get to get out, I will. But the zoos are very convenient for me, so that's why I'm there a lot. That's very interesting. I didn't think about that. That you really can't control all those shooting
0: conditions in the zoo. Um, For example. Um, You have, you know, the animals, unfortunately, are separated from us um, by glass or by cages. What do you do about that, the environmental factors in the zoo?
1: Yeah, this is interesting, Jan. I'll tell you an example. Um, There's, for instance, this lion uh, exhibit. There's glass on one side, and then on the other side, it's very open, and you can shoot through nothing. I mean, you kind of have nice access. But some of the most wonderful opportunities are actually behind glass, and a lot of photographers don't like to shoot through glass or they're afraid to. But you can actually get some really great images. The key to that is getting your your lens right up against the glass and make sure there's no reflections. And when I go shooting at the zoos, for instance, I'll wear black. So I'm not getting my reflection in the background. I can actually shield myself, you know. (laughs) So I do that. I use my hands sometimes to cover. uh, And, and of course, I have my lens hood on there. But you can shoot through glass. And then with post-processing, because you get a kind of a, a green tint, you can use a white neutralizer, get rid of some of that you know, color tint, and then it looks perfectly natural, and nobody would ever know that you're shooting through glass. That's great. And I'm assuming you shoot
0: raw, correct? I do. Yes, absolutely. So yep. the white balance doesn't really matter, and, and you can make it whatever you want it to be later. That's
1: absolutely. And mm-hmm. then
0: when you say you get right up against the glass, you mentioned you have a lens hood on, so you're pressing the edge of the lens hood yes. right on the glass. Yep. And why is it important? Uh, it's pretty obvious, but why is yes. it important to have the lens okay. hood?
1: uh well for the light not to come through uh and also it kind of helps with the reflections that are around so it acts as almost like a um uh, i want to say reflector but it's kind of like a barrier between the reflections of the people around you so it just plus you know it's a safety feature too because sometimes we hit our lens up against things so i'm always i always keep that lens hood on so that's a Good nice point feature.
0: yeah you know there are some uh there are rubber lens hoods and then there are the I guess they're metal or plastic which
1: Mm -hmm. do you prefer and why well you know uh, I love the the plastic ones that kind of bellow out I know that Don Gale one of my mentors always used one and that was great because you could press it right against the glass I need to get one of those (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I just use a traditional lens hood that comes with my my lens and it works just fine I've I've learned to use it well so I don't even think about it anymore that's great Great. any other tips about shooting in a zoo environment that you would give people you know, um, go first thing in the morning. That is my number one tip. Go first thing in the morning when the gates open because the animal's more active. Uh, usually you get less people around you. And the other tip, too, is bring a monopod. If you have a longer lens and you don't want to hand hold it, it bringing a tripod sometimes gets in the way. Those legs stick out. you got kids that might trip over. But with that monopod, you have a very nice uh, area around you that you can protect your camera. It's not getting in the way of anybody. And it's easy to carry your camera too. Just sling it over your shoulder and off you go. So that's a tip. Um, I've got a bunch of tips, so I don't know how many you want. But um, another thing is just have patience. Uh, Enjoy your time. Be in the moment. You have to wait for that moment to happen. And sometimes I'll go Jan to the zoo, for instance, and I'll say, okay, today is going to be a elephant day. I'm going to go, I'm going to focus on the elephants, you know, and I'm, you know, trucking along. I got my camera slung over my shoulder and all of a sudden something else appears and it's magical. And it happens every single time. Um, I was lucky enough. I got a uh, print in the Smithsonian while uh, the Winless Smith rice awards. Uh, I've seen that. It. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. And that's one of those moments I almost left, but that voice in my head said, you know, stay back. Wait. Um, there's all these kids. It was bright light. And it was just one of those horrible conditions. I thought I'm going to leave, but I stayed the kids left eventually. And I was positioned where the mother gorilla was looking at a magazine with a picture for baby who was sitting next to her. And it's one of those moments you could not uh, conceive of or think of or, you know, set up. It just happens. And these kind of what I like to call little miracles happen all the time. That so, that one
0: was a miracle. You know, yeah. is that photo online somewhere where people could go to see it somewhere, you know? Yes.
1: Of? Yeah, actually, on um, my website, uh, com. you'll see it there. Okay, well, we'll post a link to that because okay. you guys, you have to go and see this photo. It is – well, you, why don't you describe it if you can? The mother's doing what? Yeah, well, um, actually, it was an enrichment day. So the zookeepers put out bags of popcorn. They had, um, like, zoo magazines and things for them to play with. It's an enrichment day. And that's why all the kids were there, <laughs> because they wanted to see the animals with enrichment day. And so she happened to pick up a, a, a magazine called Zoo News, had opened it up to a page of a picture of her baby – so her baby, you could see where I was positioned, you could see her looking at this magazine with the picture of the baby, and then her baby was sitting right next to her. So it was, you know, everything just kind of came together. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Animals are amazing, aren't they? And I don't think we give yeah. them enough credit. Not at no, all. Not at all. And they're beautiful. And, and if you think about it, they're all shapes and sizes. They're all colors. They're, I mean, they're just magnificent pieces of living art. And that is why I get so excited about photographing and sharing them.
0: Oh, I love the way you say that. Thank you. Well, of course, if you can afford it and you have the opportunity, it seems like the best place to photograph animals would be in a workshop. And I hear that you have some amazing workshops coming up. You've got
1: to tell people about them. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. I was, I got invited back to Yellowstone. So that's fantastic because you've got this beautiful, epic landscapes and wildlife. So I'm going to be going back in September for that. um, And all this stuff is posted on my website as well, so you can check it out there. And then I'm going to uh, France to shoot the wild horses with my friend Piper McKay. And that's going to be next year in July. So that's gonna be really excited because my other love is photographing horses. So and I know you know Piper loves it too. So we're a we're a good team.
0: Oh fantastic. <laughs> yes. And these
1: are the wild horses.
0: Is it called the Camargue?
1: Camargue, yes. The white horses, yes. And and, and uh, it's
0: the south of France by Marseille,
1: is that where it is? Um, it's South France. I'm mm-hmm. not too sure exactly where it is, um, the exact location, but uh, there is, you know, all that information will be a, and a link on my website, so you can check it out if you're interested in going. oh I but want that's to go! Gonna be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we're going to photograph uh, flamingos and lavender fields, so it's going to be a, a wonderful adventure. Absolutely
0: fantastic! Yeah. I've had the good fortune to be there, and it is an amazing part of the world. It's really, really nice. Yeah, great, yeah. good. <laughs> so once you've got all these amazing photos. Then yes. you're going to bring them home.
1: And yes. now you have a lot of work to do, right? You do. Yeah. So first of all, you got to sort through, them, right? And I use Lightroom to go through, sort and flag the ones that I want to work on. Um, generally, I bring home probably about 800 photos um, in a setting. And I'll go through real quickly because I can immediately see which ones, what I call wow photos, where I start sorting through and I go, okay, I want that one. So I just flag them. And usually I come up with five and then I'll start working on them. And I post every single morning. First thing when I wake up, Edit a photo, post it on social media, and I've, it's become a habit. And I do this because it takes my emotional ties away from my image and I can see what people like. So, oh, you're,
0: that's wonderful. You're so disciplined, too. Very good. You yeah, get a, 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 a gold star okay (laughs) so that means everybody should be
1: following you on social media mostly on google plus is that right uh facebook google plus 500px i'm on elo now um yeah oh you're everywhere that's great great. yeah
0: (laughs) now um you promised uh ahead of time that you would be showing us how you do some creative conversions from color to black and white of some of your photos and for that you
1: use what um I use Tonality Pro. Uh it's a great program that allows you to take color images and convert them to black and white uh, very creatively. So I think you know a lot of times we have these you know animal images we don't know what to do with them and I think this kind of program really allows us to become creative and test new ideas and it's very quick and easy to use. Would you show us how you do it? I would. I'd love to show you. Thank okay, you. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and switch over now. Okay, great. So here's an example of an owl that I took at the zoo. Here's another hint, too, by the way, for for you folks. (laughs) If you see that there's a zookeeper talk where they uh, pull out animals and they show people, uh, this is a great opportunity because this particular owl was sitting on the hand on the glove of a zookeeper, but you'd never know it because I kind of cropped that out. But you can get up nice and close. I think this is with the 2470, but you can see the beautiful detail and, uh, you know, you're right there. So be sure to check the program. I mean, if there's a zookeeper talk, go there, uh, spend some time. So Good I going to show you here, yeah, <laughs> I want to show you, this is a, a you know, it's a lovely image with nice big eyes and I thought, you know, I'll take it into black and white, this is in Photoshop right now, I'll just show you, I did a, a before and after, and by sometimes using some textures and converting to black and white gives you a whole different look, you know, something that's kind of light, oops, light and cheery, there we go, to something that's a little bit more dramatic and scary, for instance, <laughs> so wow. it can really change the mood. So I have a question
0: for you before you yes. even start. Um, how do you know which photos are going to look good in black and white as
1: opposed to, you know, you have to choose a few to convert. Yeah. You know, usually I look for textures, lines, shapes, uh, things that will lend itself to different tonalities throughout the image, nice contrast. So uh, I've kind of trained myself over the years. uh, I can kind of immediately pick out an image that might look pretty good. But, you know, I love the textures and the uh, different, you know, striations and feathers uh, with this particular owl. And I thought that would look pretty nice. But adding a texture to it, you know, kind of gives it a a different look too. So I'm starting to really play with textures. I've never done that before. So getting out there and trying some different things. So Um, are you going to show us how you process this one? Yeah, I'm going to show you uh, real quickly how I uh, process this one. I'm just going to go ahead and make just another layer here. And we're just jumping to MacFun Tonality Pro. What I like about this particular program is I like to start out with presets. I know some people like to start out with just jumping in and moving sliders around and And such, but I actually like to play with presets down here because it gives me a really quick overview of what this program can offer me. And then I can make some changes and updates to whatever I want. Could I I interrupt you for just a moment? I think there are some viewers who may not
0: know what Tonality Pro is. Maybe just can give, you know, a one minute overview of where to get uh, it, what it is.
1: Sure, sure. Um, So my title, I'm the education manager over at MacFun. So I um, teach webinars on how to do this. And Tonality is one of our programs that allows you to take color images and convert them to black and white. So that's the main purpose of this program. But what a lot of people don't know is you can actually pull it back into color. And do some fun things too, so Terrific. <laughs> and you can just, you can use layers and all kinds of fun things. So, so is, this, is
0: it a separate program or is it a plug-in for Photoshop or Lightroom or
1: yeah, that's a really great question. Um, it's actually a standalone program and you can also get it as a plug-in within Photoshop Lightroom or Aperture. If you see I'm pulling this away it just is a plug-in that works on top of Photoshop so it's a basically a separate program here. But uh, real easy to use, big buttons, you know, just click on presets. I'm going to go through and choose just a few more. You can see I can get some different looks. Um, if I like something, for instance, this coffee-toned kind of has that Nick Brandt look for those wildlife people who like Nick Brandt. I think we all do. <laughs> uh, you, can, you can see here over on the right-hand side, all these uh, options here in yellow have been changed or manipulated in some way to create that particular preset. So I can go back in and change it. So if I don't like, for instance... Um, maybe this particular uh, split toning. I think this was split toned. I can choose maybe a different look, for instance. So I'm going to close up this preset here for a moment. And I can go through, choose different tones, uh, do some split toning, and just get that look that I want. And that's what I love. You know, Jan, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I love the going out and shooting, but I don't like the post-processing part. Well, if you don't like it, then there's something wrong. It should be as fun. Oh, I think it's totally fun
0: i totally i never fun. understand that you know what i yeah. think it is Laura? i think people who are uh, unsure or feel that they don't know how um yeah. then it's not fun for them um right. and and there are so many uh kind of shortcuts to doing this sort of thing and what you're showing us right now using presets in tonality pro or in other programs too is one shortcut that'll make it easier for you and then i think you'll start to like it when you see how easy it is
1: that's right exactly so we must have fun and it's going to show up in your images if you don't have fun it's not going to show so Enjoy the moment. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to show you how uh, we can actually add textures, too. So within this program, we have the ability to add built-in textures, and also we can o- load in our own custom textures. Now, uh, my good friend Kathleen Clemens has this beautiful wheat-type uh, texture over here on the right-hand side. Now, the nice thing about Tonality Pro is that I can blend. So I can let's see kind of up that a little bit so we can see that nice wheat background and I can use maybe a soft light or an overlay to create a really nice effect or I can bring it to the left and get a completely you know different type of look so you know these are just kind of fun things that you can do to go in change the toning of it add a little texture maybe add a frame add extra contrast or that kind of glow effect and you can come out with something that's more of a storytelling type image I love storytelling type images where it makes you sit back and think oh what is that animal thinking and what's his next move or, you know, what's actually happening. So not just a snapshot, but something that's actually a little piece of art. Fantastic.
0: Now you mentioned that this texture is from a friend of yours. That, yes. So I'm assuming you can load
1: textures in to the program, not just use the ones it comes with. Absolutely. Um, you can add your own. And we also have a marketplace where you can actually purchase uh, extra textures as well. And Kathleen has a whole set of textures, uh, that's on our Mac marketplace, and she does beautiful. You know, Kathleen, she does beautiful macro, and so I love her textures. I use yeah, them this, they're really nice.
0: Now, <laughs> yeah. can you limit the area that the texture applies to, like uh, you would with a mask in Photoshop?
1: Yeah, you can actually paint in. There's paint brushes here, paint, erase. We have a gradient tool, so you can go in and actually selectively add or remove parts of it as well. So you have that whole flexibility. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So. Do you want to see one more? Or- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Show us more. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I oh, love this one. one. Okay. <laughs> um, let's, uh, okay, so here's one in Africa. Uh, this was with my friend Piper McKay. She's the one I'm going to photograph the horses with. And we went to Amboseli, which is, the backdrop is Mount Kilimanjaro. So you've got this beautiful mountain, but you've got also these gorgeous animals. And if, this was early morning. We were sitting in a jeep by ourselves with a guide, waiting for the zebras to come down off the hill. And uh, was just a wonderful moment. But I thought, you know, what if I did something creatively in Tonality Pro and I got something like oh. this? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So I added the same texture, Kathleen's wheat texture. I converted it to black and white. And look what we've got. We've got this almost like a sandstorm or um, maybe snow or something's happening. But that's the kind of mood I felt. You know, it's more dramatic. And uh, so I love being able to be a little bit more creative. Uh, with Fantas- oh,
0: yeah, fantastic. And yeah. that really does tell the story, I think, even better than the raw photo,
1: you know, the, raw, yeah, the color yeah. photo. I mean, this is okay, but okay, come on, folks. Yeah, <laughs> that's better. like, woo. <laughs> Yeah. So I love surprises like this. These usually, you know, I just kind of play around and, and something happens and that's like, okay, I like that one. So it's like, it's almost like being a painter, isn't it? It's, or an artist of some sort to be able to do this. And I went to school for art, so I've got that creative side. Uh, I do a lot of technical stuff in my day job too but I love to be able to really utilize that creative part. And uh, yeah, it's fun. I love to use a Wacom tablet and do a little painting. So yeah, it's great. I'll just show a couple more befores and afters. Here's a, a tiger. <laughs> now, these are kind of moments I wait for where they're, this is, looks like a growl maybe, uh, but she's actually about to yawn. Um, and I just converted her to black and white. So it just it's more dramatic and powerful. Ooh. So those are kind of fun. <laughs> Look at her tongue. You see all the texture in the tongue. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah, nice textures. You wouldn't believe like a hippo, let 's talk about hippo texture on the nose. it's just amazing you wouldn't believe it <laughs> and lions they have apostrophes over their eyes, and these little things you just don 't notice when you just when you're at the zoo and you 're just looking at animals. but when you focus in and really get uptight, you see all these really wonderful things um, now there's things that I can do also to fix my images. This is an example of shooting through glass. You get that green tint it's horrible. Ugh, don't like it. This normally be a throwaway picture, but Jan, I don't throw away any of my photos now because I I know. I know it's like I know either I can fix them now, or maybe a year down the road somebody's going to come out with a solution to fix you know these things. So, or at the very at the very worst, it's a good example you know of what not to do, right? Exactly, exactly. Educational opportunities, save everything. (laughs) So here's an example. Taking it into Tonality Pro Um, now, I've got this beautiful portrait sepia look, and I love the highlights. So it's amazing with some of these images that you can really convert into nice pieces of art that normally be throwaways fantastic so, yeah. but you
0: know this really makes the point oh, sorry this really makes the point that it is about being able to see this isn't just a matter of technology and pressing buttons i mean because i think there are a lot of people who would never be able to imagine that that original green bear could turn into that really fantastic portrait and so yeah. a lo- it, it is coming from you it is not just the programs
1: and that's i think right. that
0: that's really something important for people to remember
1: yeah, definitely, is a part of you that's coming out on the screen. So yeah, and I love can it. see, I can see in your work that you love what you're doing, and that makes all the difference. Love it. Yeah, I I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have photography in my life. It is my life. So and I love sharing it with everybody too. So that's fun. Well, thank you so much for sharing it with us. We're really happy, happy, happy to yeah. have
0: seen your photos, and I can't wait. And I I will continue to follow you in social media so I can see more. Yay! Okay, thanks, Jan, for having me. <laughs> thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me, Jan Kabili, and my special guest, Lori Rubin, for this episode of The Fix. If you'd like to see more episodes of The Fix and the other great photography podcasts on the TWIP network, then use the link below to head on over to thisweekinphoto.com. And while you're there, please subscribe to become a member so that you can become part of the great photography community that we're building on the TWIP network. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of The Fix.